0: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Today's podcast is sponsored by one of our favorite products, Almond Cow. We've been using it for well over a year, and I say we, mostly my husband, Mark, who is mooing. Honey, what are your thoughts about Almond Cow? <laughs> this is the moo man he's back. <laughs> I love the almond cow because we know how great it is. Anything that you can could, could make a plant-based milk with, you're set. And I just have it. I don't need to make, make that much. It's just sitting in the pantry. And then when we're ready, I just make it. It takes a minute. It, it tastes so it, good. It tastes so good. And For those of you who are thinking about it, let me tell you why. There there are no added preservatives, any kind of artificial stuff. You put in it what you want. You can sweeten it to your taste. It is so easy to make, so easy to clean up, and it's pure gold. It really is. And they give you a lot of recipes on the Almond Cow website. You have the recipe, so you don't have to think, you don't have to go anywhere to find it. It's there for you. Yes, we love it so much. So if you're interested in getting your own, go check out the link or just go to their site, almondcow.co. And you can use code LARA, L-A-R-A, for extra savings. Go get yourself one and have fun. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns, so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today, I'm honored to speak with Nicole Hellthaler. She is the Assistant Director for the Prison Yoga Project, which I've been curious about for years. So we sit down and talk all about her pathway to where she is now. She's always been into social justice issues and knowing that she wanted to be of service. And wow, does she walk this talk. Uh, She is so lovely, so intelligent, and she really helped me better understand the services that she and others are providing through the Prison Yoga Project uh, to those who are incarcerated, to those who are in jail, to provide them with the tools to help their nervous system regulation. And she explains much more, much more. So tune in and please enjoy my talking with Nicole. Welcome, Nicole. I'm so happy and honored to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Uh, uh, Before we get into your amazing work, I just want to backtrack and hear about your pathway. Like, how did you uh, discover this passion? Like, what what led you to where you are today?
1: Sure. I um I joke that like I came out of the womb wanting to serve people. I've always been the bit of like the lovey-dovey hippie in my family. Um, But I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, and I was really fortunate when I was in college to study abroad in South Africa, um, Cape Town, South Africa. And that's where I did a ton of service work and made really beautiful relationships with people in the townships there and got to teach yoga to youth with autism. And mm. I had never, um, I had never, I didn't, I shouldn't say I I was not the main teacher. There was a certified instructor there, but I got to help because I grew up a gymnast and I understood a lot of like the movement patterns and everything like that. And that was my introduction to yoga. So right off the bat, like practicing it with a group that maybe isn't visibly a group that typically practices yoga and it was really special and rewarding. And then, um, that cape town study abroad lit my fire for oh like service work is what i want to do all the time not just like a hobby or something i want to do it's part of my life i want to make it my career um so even though i studied speech therapy didn't really love it (laughs) um and i ended up applying to teach for america that brought me to southern arkansas and i loved teaching high school students it was kind of brutal i was 21 (laughs) they can you can just stop for a rest. second?
0: I know what Teach for America is, but just for yeah. anybody, because we have people in uh, across the world who listens, can you just briefly explain what Teach for America is? Because yeah. it's an amazing program and um, it's highly selective Who who is who is selected to, to go into it.
1: Well, it was the scariest interview ever, <laughs> um, very long and intensive. So it is a program that takes college grads, but it doesn't have to be a college grad. It can be folks kind of at any stage in life who teach in underserved areas. So where I taught in Arkansas, they have turnover sometimes of like 30 teachers a year. And so we go in and we offer support in that area. Um, it's sort of like a crash course in teaching. I lived in Mississippi for a summer where I learned the basics of teaching, but I did also, um, just so people don't think they're just throwing us in there completely, <laughs> um, inexperienced. I was a gymnastics coach my whole life. I did Um, A ton of different work that got me prepared to be in a classroom with 30 students at the same time, Um, but it was challenging, rewarding, and really the biggest challenge was behavior management. It wasn't teaching the content; I taught history and politics, and for a long time, it just didn't sit right the way we were punishing students. Like we we want to hold them accountable for how they're acting in the classroom, but a lot of time it came out of a need that they were experiencing. So whether it was hunger, whether it was just not having a great time at home or just simply not having a good day, um, it felt like the wrong move to isolate them and kick them out, right, and, like, remove them from community or to raise my voice. And so throughout my time there, I learned about this concept, conscious discipline, and it's all about being mindful of how you're feeling in the moment (laughs) and being able to model for the kids in the room how to react to stress, stressful situations and to treat them with a lot of compassion. And that was a game changer. Like by my Ugh. third year, was not writing students up, was able to just have like really open conversations with them, um, had snacks in my classroom for kids that were hungry. Really, it just it worked. And so um, after I left teaching, I went to grad school because I knew I wanted to continue with um like populations that were underserved in some way, but it was a bit tricky to stay in the classroom and advocate for the things that you want to advocate for. So I went to grad school at the Clinton School of Public Service that's in Little Rock. Um, It was an incredible experience. And one of the components is a capstone. And so I reached out to Prison Yoga Project. I remember looking at my advisor being like, would it be weird if I Googled prison yoga? Um, Because it had like a lot of overlap between what I was learning about conscious discipline. I was writing papers on restorative justice and it just made a ton of sense because a lot of the students I worked with were coming out of literally like juvenile detention right into the classroom. So I reached out to Bill and James and since that moment, I've been obsessed with Prison Yoga Project. I did my capstone with them and that turned into a full-time job and actually during my first year working for Prison Yoga Project, I got my yoga teacher certification. So I sort of went backwards. Uh, I practiced yoga for a long time. I just didn't take the plunge to do the teacher training. And that's that that's sort of the path. If, if you needed you needed
0: your population first. Like you're doing it in I did. A, in just a different, but it's also, isn't that amazing? Cause some people, you know, get their teacher training and they're like, I don't know where to teach. And you're just like I already have the population, and now I just yeah. to get more skilled. I also saw that you're um, trauma-informed. Is that part of your teacher training, or was that an extra course that you did? And can you explain a little bit what, what that means?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's a word now that gets used a lot, so I'm happy to break it yeah. down a little bit. I think we would even love to sort of – I don't want to say remove that word but or that phrase – but allow it to mean something even bigger than than what it might mean just because yoga in itself we believe should be trauma-informed. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your first question about training in it, I was fortunate where my 200-hour had a module that talked about the nervous system and talked about the way we can use yoga to um, have a healthy nervous system. I don't think that's a requirement of a 200-hour training. So that's why I say I'm lucky that we even like talked about it in – Um, The training and then from their prison yoga projects training is a 32 hour foundational training that talks about the prison system, system of incarceration, but also yoga and also trauma and how those things all come together. So a majority of my training has been through prison yoga project. And when we say the word trauma informed, what we mean is we are providing a practice that is full of choice and agency. So we recognize that we don't know the experiences of folks in the room. If we are teaching in a prison and jail, we don't know, but we can make a lot of assumptions that they've likely been through a lot of trauma. And so with our audience in mind, we're offering yoga in a way that feels accessible, hopefully really safe to them, and nothing is ever forced upon them. So it's both the way you teach, but also an understanding of your audience. Even though uh, I think prison or not, we all people come to the mat with a lot of trauma regardless. So that's like my high level definition. I I love
0: that. And I really agree with you that yoga in itself or any kind of practice, education, any kind of when you're in the role of teaching something like you were noticing when you were at school as as uh, Teach for America, that like, you need to come there with that, like, elevated understanding that everybody is in the room with a different experience, a different background. We don't even need to know what it is, but we have to present um, information and be a teacher in a way that is welcoming and yeah. and, and adaptive, you know, to um, all the different ways people learn and respond and, like you said, maybe react. So. Yeah. I would, I mean, I, there's a lot of questions here. I'm imagining people listening, yoga in prison, like this sounds really exciting and also a little nerve wracking. Yeah. Like what what does that look like? Um, and then I wanna get into like, what has the impact been on the prisoners? But let's just first start off like with you going in there as a yoga teacher. Um, what were your first feel your your first experience
1: yeah so i was in a juvenile detention center about 2 weeks after i got my certification which is probably not always the normal path but again i mentioned that a lot of the population i taught in the high school was really similar and so it wasn't anything new to me but i'd say um what what's Kind of frightening about it is not the folks themselves. Like, I was actually really excited. I had gotten to go in with Bill, who's our executive director, right when I started with them. And I was excited to meet everybody. But what's scary about it is just walking in. It's like dark. Um, it can have an odor to it. It's very, like loud and clangy. Everybody's in a uniform. And so automatically, your body is mm-hmm. tense. And we know, Um, That our body can sense when we don't feel safe, even before our mind, right? And so there's this natural like kind of curl of the shoulders and this protective stance. And I think that in itself can be a little alarming. So whenever I bring someone in with me, I sort of prepare them like, you're going to walk in, we're going to go through a metal detector, I have this clear bag, I'm going to show them my clear bag. And that's actually the most tense part for me. And then when I continue to walk in, people start to say, hello, like they might be cleaning. They, they're doing a job at the jail and they're like, oh, yoga today. Sweet. When can I come to yoga? And Once you start to have those really like human interactions, that sort of safety of like your body and the tenseness sort of starts to melt. And then it looks very different for every program. But my program, I teach in the barracks. So where they live. And this program that I teach for is an academy where folks have to apply to live in this part of the jail and they get to take a lot of other classes as well. I was actually there this morning. So right after me, they take meditation. They have a bunch of other classes. This program is so amazing. And I don't think anybody ever expects something like this to come out of Arkansas, but like shout out the Sheriff's CSI Academy of Little Rock. Um, And so I can walk into a room where sometimes there's like up to 80 men. Right. And I think that is another maybe moment that can feel fearful just if you've never been inside. There's bunk beds, there's a bathroom, the guys are clearing all the tables and they are putting yoga mats down and they're like super excited and jazzed to <laughs> go. So that's um, it's. I, I left today. I haven't been able to go there because I was away and then they had a COVID pause and I left today being like my favorite place to hang out mm. is at jail with these folks. And I say that with sensitivity of they're they're there and it's not always a a pleasant place to be, but just getting to um, spend time with them is really rewarding. So it goes from tense to like, ah, this is beautiful, I'd say, um, is, is how I feel. And I often am met with like two different reactions, either like, wow, that's so cool. Or like, huh? and I, I so i think it's normal to be surprised by right. something like this cuz it doesn't have a ton of visibility
0: now i'm curious does the the prison yoga project is there certain prisons that you that they would not go to or is any prison that is welcoming to the to you all you will yeah. go to yeah
1: yeah it is nothing is really off limits um, mm-hmm. we prefer to work with partners who are enthusiastic about the program so less to do with whether it's like a high God. security or low security facility and more to do with will the institution support us in coming weekly and getting mats and and because it, that's not always the case but fortunately more and more so it is and i know you had asked me as well about the impact of yoga on our folks and we refer to them as incarcerated people Some folks refer to themselves as prisoners. Some folks refer to themselves even as inmates. We try to use language that's like a little less limiting to that identity, but it really varies among, so I just kind of want to name that as well, folks that are listening or formerly incarcerated. Um, So what was I going to say? This program is highly impactful, uh, and it is often surprising to folks that have never practiced yoga before how much of a benefit that they get from the program and so it can be impactful just through one class or ideally through several months of practicing. And so we pract- we provide programs at both jails and prisons. And I don't know if um, folks listening are familiar with the difference between the two, but jail is typically where folks go when they can't make bail or when they're awaiting their sentencing. And then prison is more of a long-term situation. However, a lot of folks in jail can be there for up to a year, sometimes up to two years. And so we're experiencing a lot more in and out in the jail than we do in the prison, but provide both types of programming. So if you're just showing up once, it's so important that we show up with that container of safety and and trauma informed teaching, so that they have a positive experience. Um, and I can get more into all like the benefits of yoga for them if you'd like me to. I don't know if you. I would. Me to jump oh, in um, or... <laughs> absolutely.
0: I because I really want to hear about yes, and like how. Um, I mean, I I know already without you uh-huh. even telling me, even statistically or not, that this has got to be a huge benefit. Um, but I would love, yeah, I would love to hear about the benefits. And then also, can you give a, an example of what that teaching methodology would look like in 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 a room? With sure. seventy men, like what is that how does that um, manifest in terms of the way you teach?
1: Absolutely. So yeah, in terms of the benefits, when we talk about the benefits, we talk a lot about the brain and I'm familiar with with your work as well and I know this is something that you incorporate into um, the lit method as well. but we're when we are under a lot of stress, we're often not thinking with our, frontal lobes, right? We're not having that powerful executive functioning. We're acting out of our brainstem and our limbic system and often in a a really reactive state. And what happens for folks that are incarcerated is often a lot of trauma has led them up into that point. And then the environment of incarceration is very traumatizing or can be. And so they're living constantly in this fight or flight state right? And we know that fight or flight state is important short term to protect us from threats or when we are truly unsafe. But long term, that's a lot of cortisol in our bloodstream. That's a lot of tension and and that can become unhealthy. And so this offers offers them the opportunity to first just even notice that that's the state that their body is in to notice, oh, like, my shoulders are really rounded. Or a question I ask them a lot is what is your speed? Like if you were driving a car, how fast are you going? So they can do that self-inquiry. They build interoception to understand Mm -hmm. what's happening inside their body. They practice embodied awareness. And then throughout the yoga practice, we're teaching them tools and skills for how to Take it down, right? To move away from that fight or flight experience. So, an example of that looks like we might have them in chair pose as we're actually trying to activate a bit of a stress response, but one that they have choice over. They choose when they exit the pose and notice what's happening in your body, right? Is your heart rate increasing? Are you starting to sweat? And then we move them into a more relaxing pose. Uh, And we ask them to notice the difference between those two states, what's happening in their body when instead they're standing up with their hands supporting their neck and their heart's able to be open, and they can physically feel the difference between those two states. And I know I'm oversimplifying in a bit, like we always have both our sympathetic and parasympathetic systems working but really getting them to understand what that feels like. So when they come up against a situation where they're activated, they can assess: am I truly unsafe here? Or do I have the opportunity to, to take a breath, maybe to put my body in a different shape, to get to my frontal lobes, to get out of this stressed out response and make a better and more clear decision. So I'm explaining this to them before the practice. During the practice, it's a we're chit chatting. It's very different than a yoga studio where often it's very quiet. Um, like you know, I'm scared to sneeze sometimes in a yoga class. You know, you don't want to disturb the silence. But in this space, it's not silent. There's toilets flushing, right? People are coming in and out of the room. It's a very different environment. So we're we're talking. Um, other ways that this trauma informed and what we also like to call it like healing centered, I think, is another way to think of it what this looks like in the room, if possible, we set up in a circle. It's very abnormal to have so many people in a space. It just has to do with the way my jail functions, but we recommend up to 25 folks. And so it doesn't matter. There might be three people in the room, five, 20, um, they're all gonna benefit, but we recommend that they stand in a circle. That way, nobody is behind them, right? Mm -hmm. That's one example of being trauma-informed. Um, in my space, because there's so many of them, that's not what we're doing, but they know each other. They get to choose where they set up in the room and I'm practicing with them. I'm not leaving my mat. I'm never putting my hands on anyone. One, because there's too much of a power dynamic there for even if they say it's okay, but also that's not allowed <laughs> in jail. prison. Um, two, in my queuing, I'm offering a lot of choice. I'm, rem- I'm, saying to them i love the different variations in the room i try to stay away from cues like something being more or or bigger mm-hmm. and more just like in their body and different shapes um so it, it comes out basically in everything i do but most importantly it comes off in the way i treat them right and so if i come in scared or i come in angry um, we're teaching them self-regulation, but we're also practicing co-regulation, right? Our body, a steady body in the room can steady other bodies in the room and vice versa if I'm stressed. So I'm really trying to radiate through my being, right? That I am happy to be here. I feel safe among everyone. I feel connected to them. And that I think is truly what makes all the difference is that in our ability to build relationships, uh, to know everybody's name, all of that. So I know I just shared a lot. So feel free. No, to it was it was in. a
0: lot. Yeah, that was a lot. I'm imagining that there's got to be moments, especially if you do develop some, you know, regularity in teaching people, um, that there's got to be some emotional releases that occur. Maybe uh-huh. is, is there um, ever a chance? Like ever a place to that they would want to be uh, hugged or that you're allowed to do that, um, or is that still kind of uh, um, out of bounds? That's a really great question. I wanna go back to
1: um, just the idea of emotional releases because we get Mm -hmm. asked this a lot, like are people having emotional releases in class? And it's less than you think just simply because we're moving, right? Mm -hmm. We're not, we're talking, but we're moving, we're not, specifically talking about something that's happened in the past more just like how our body feels so we describe it as titrating the experience taking little drops or like little moments to start to feel some discomfort but we're not trying to send them in all the way because we also recognize that's outside of our scope as a yoga facilitator so i just wanted to address that because it comes up a lot but it is possible right Mm. that people will have an emotional release. And I even say it to them in the beginning, you don't have to feel good. You have no requirement for this to feel great, right? It might feel bad. As long as we can breathe and we're not causing pain, a range of emotions, right, Um, can occur. And so have I ever hugged someone? Yes. <laughs> um, I'd say though, you have to be really careful. Again, because of the rules, you would never want to misconstrue something. And also folks are so... They're just not touched. And so something as simple as putting your hand on someone's shoulder can be so overly stimulating for them. Um, So you do have to be super mindful. And it's, it's more likely the case if I've hugged someone, it's in the woman's group and women are relating to each other a little differently and they hug each other too. But you can be there for someone in other ways simply just being there before and after the practice to let them talk to you mm-hmm. and express how they're feeling. So you can hold that space for them without physically, you know. Um...
0: Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so let's <laughs> yeah. talk about that. So in that after aftermath, when you are there, um, what has that getting back to this, like what this does for them, like, what are some things that people have expressed to you or if you feel free to share them or just kind of a general feeling of what what happens then when people are done are they done and they're like oh I feel better and like I'm ready or is there's this kind of other senses that they're expressing
1: most of the time they're in a great mood and they're so grateful they're like thank you so much I haven't felt this way in my body in so long and a lot of times they say I never knew that about stress they they or i didn't know that i had the ability to help my body get into this place so a lot of time it's, it's sort of like a kind of awe situation mm-hmm. at first of i didn't know i could feel this way especially in this environment and then as they practice over time it's more and more of a like emotional share of of how they're feeling or they might open up about what got them to that place of incarceration in the first place. And they might share, I've had one, uh, shout out to Lisa, love Lisa. Um, she shared that like me coming every week just made her feel like a person.
0: Mm-hmm. I imagine. And that might,
1: and that might not seem big, but that's huge for someone that's like continually referred to as inmates. Right, And and I will say the staff there are really wonderful that run that program and they build relationships with them too. They're there for them when they get on the outside as well. And so they're really getting this lovely container of support that a lot of people don't get in jail. So again, it ranges from in the beginning, the physical aspects. I sleep better. My back doesn't hurt as much. And then as they go, it's a bit more emotional and I'm starting to notice the way I feel or I made a different choice. Or when I went to court, I tapped on my shoulders like you showed me, and that helped me. So it it keeps growing and growing no longer that they practice.
0: Mm, that's so beautiful. And I can see now how this early days of being in South Africa with a different type of population of, of regulation yeah. has really carried on and informed you. I don't know about you, but when I think of vacation – it's not quite complete if I'm not doing some movement, if I'm not getting out and having an experience. Why not join us for a vacation and move your body, laugh, experience joy with us in Europe this summer? That's right, the LIT team is coming to Europe. We start off in Paris, France, July 15th through 16th. Ooh la la. We have two classes there Prime Your Power and Find Your Lift. We also have some excursions like private wine and vegan cheese tasting and a Sunday brunch. Then we head on to Frankfurt, Germany, July 18th through 20th. There I'm doing three classes, Power of the Pole, Master Psoas, and Set to Launch. We also have a private guided bike tour that you can join us on. So it's not just in the studio, but outside. We congregate. We laugh We experience good food. We have fun. And then finally, we will end up in Salzburg, Austria, July 22nd and 23rd. There will be three classes there, Sustainable Shoulders, Better Backbending, and Spark. And then you can join us, I'm so excited for this, on a private Sound of Music bike tour. That's right. You can do things in the studio, outside the studio, move your body, learn from us. You don't have to be a Lit Daily subscriber. You don't even have to ever practice Lit. But do you want to know more about your body? Do you want to have hope for your future self by actually learning educational tools while having such a great time with us? So join us. Go visit the show notes and sign up. Remember, we're going to be in Paris, Frankfurt, and Salzburg. And we'd love, love, love to have you join us. So you've been in prisons and many of us have not. And without, you can get as political as you want or not, but I just, generally speaking, at least the United States, what are some of the biggest like um, misconceptions or biggest problems um, in the prison system not yeah. the pres- not the incarcerated but the system
1: like who- yeah absolutely i think it's the i love that you named it the system cuz there's this beautiful quote that i'm blanking on and won't say it right but it's like be mad at the system be kind to the people is yeah. the gist of it mm-hmm. right and so the system in itself is very often dehumanizing and it's also we have a mass incarceration problem it is decreasing the amount of people that we incarcerate but it's still just gigantic compared to the rest of the world and fortunately that's becoming more and more known thanks to documentaries like the 13th i is really good on netflix if you want to know more about the
0: the system beautiful and, beautiful and very so hard <laughs> to watch um yeah documentary, but various, I actually showed that yeah. to my high school
1: students when we got to the eighties and the war on drugs. And that was a lot to, yeah. to do. Yeah. Well, I feel like you were going to add something
0: there. No, but I feel like it should be a requirement, you know, because we don't, um, we don't, it, it's like one of those systems that is put in, you know, like just where the prison prisons are. They're yeah. not in like main town America, you know, they're not, they are, they're they're put somewhere where we don't see it. We don't know what's happening, and it's kind of like out of sight and mind. And we're not, we're not caring. We're just feeling safer for some reason. But we're not really looking at like, what is really happening. And is that that's that the safety is not the issue. It's like why is this happening? Is that yeah. the root cause should be addressed? Exactly. And most people that are incarcerated will be released. And most
1: people become reincarcerated. And it's often because at this time, we're really failing to rehabilitate folks. Um, a lot of folks are there for substance use, a lot of folks are there for mental illness. And they're just not getting the care that they need. So when you talk about getting to the root source, very few people are like who we see on Criminal Minds, which like I'll admit I watch that show, right? <laughs> I listen to And I think we get this like pop culture view as well of, of what prison is. And so it again, it's a system that is very cold and stuffy and and kind of just spits people out and doesn't really help them rehabilitate. But then if you look at the people, we're also really cautious not to other correctional officers or the folks that work in the system. While there's surely people that do not follow their job in a way that they should, a lot of folks that work at um, prisons and jails also come from the same communities that many incarcerated people do as well. And they are not given the tools to help support folks, and they experience a lot of secondary trauma as well. We were just gutted when we learned that the life expectancy of a correctional officer is around 58 years old. And that's not because they're harmed physically from their job. It's from things like alcoholism, death by suicide, heart, you know, anything that comes from stress. And so we realized, you know, what do you expect for a group with an incredibly high ACE score or adverse childhood experience? And then you have folks coming in who also are experiencing trauma, like what do we expect to to happen in that case? But in reality, a lot of those folks are really lovely people. I love some of the deputies that I get to see every week and um, they care too and they wanna make a difference too. And so we're actually starting to form more resources as well for correctional staff so that they can take care of themselves. They can be more mindful of self-regulation tips and tools and they can help folks that are incarcerated as well. So we're looking at dismantling the system as we know it, right? And and rebuilding it with something that's a lot more healing centered because people need help.
0: People need yeah. support. I love yeah. that. And so how um how do you how do you guys plan on growing and how easy is it? Is it pretty much any prison that uh, once you get I want you to talk about the training, how people that are listening could even get involved. But sure. Um, is once w- someone there, there's an area they've identified a prison, how easy is it f- to get that prison? I- each one is operating independently, I imagine. Yeah. So um, are mo- have you ever had prisons who are like, no, thank you. We don't want that here. We don't want any yoga. Sadly,
1: yes, but Mm. more and more that is not happening. Yeah. And so thanks for asking that question. We started in San Quentin in 2002. And so we have quite a few programs now across California state prisons and some in California county jails, but we're, we are all over. So we have programs in Houston, Texas, Little Rock, Arkansas, Concord, New Hampshire, you know, we're spreading and it happens typically two ways. One of the ways is as a team, we're approaching them either through a grant or through some sort of connection that we made where we know that they want a program and we're establishing and setting up a contract with them to deliver services. But we also have this amazing community of yoga teachers that just want to do this work. Like they're so jazzed about it and want to serve. And so we also support folks in starting programs in their communities where we might not already have a program. And while the answer is eventually yes, it can take a while. And so we always try to encourage folks to like stick with it um, because just finding the right person, getting clearance can take a long time depending on the facility, getting props, finding the space, but then it, it typically works out. And so our typical pathway is we have a foundational training and that training is like how you get started with prison yoga project it's the 32 hour training that I mentioned and it's self-paced and this is where we get really into this is the system of incarceration this is our understanding of trauma and this is how yoga can work in a context like this and then from there folks can apply to be a facilitator and that's where we would either connect them to an existing program or we would uh we have a training for them to learn how to build. a a new program. And I should mention, we call ourselves uh, as teachers facilitators and our students as participants because that helps level the power dynamic just a bit. Um, But that is the typical pathway and we've seen like explosive growth. And so we're working very hard to fundraise, to build our team and more and more to contract for services that are funded because we do believe that if a correctional facility is saying they're a rehabilitative facility, then they need to put their resources into rehabilitation. And ours is one of those programs, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I imagine um, if I have read this correctly, prisons are for profit. I mean, they are not for profit, but they are not, they are being funded individually by the state that they're in.
1: Yes. So yeah, prisons are state-run facilities. Some are actually for-profit. We don't have yeah. many many programs at for-profit facilities. Just the nature of that feels yeah. very yes really challenging. But we also you know wouldn't leave behind a group of folks um, yeah. to serve. But yeah, so it's it's really tricky. But a lot like California, for example, there's this amazing network called TPW. And they are advocating for more funding from the state to go directly to community-based programs like ours. So they've grown the amount of funding that we can apply for. And we we were awarded like $300,000 over a certain amount of time to provide seven different programs. In Mm. some states, asking for like two grand for a jail program, we're still working on it, right? So it depends. But California's complicated because there's a lot of good, but it's a really big state and there's still a lot that needs to change as well. So it very much depends on the location. We still have many of our programs led by volunteers and many people want to be volunteers and they see it as their SEBA. But we also encourage them to think big as we're here to like change a system. And so we need to ask for (laughs) funding for their resources so that they're committed to this change.
0: I love it. And do you think um, at some point that, because I think always data is so um, powerful uh, for, for changing, you know, people's minds, but also changing the law and, and for funding, um, do you imagine that you would conduct some, or maybe you already are some uh, research, meaning, uh, you know, getting these, whenever you're dealing with any kind of Subjects, but people. This is happening in a lot of research. Um, There, it's it's subjective, but these are it's measurable too. You know, in that are you doing anything like that?
1: Yes, we are, and we had uh, we were really excited to do more like a randomized control study, and then COVID Mm
0: -hmm. hit, so
1: some -hmm. of the work that we had happening got paused. But we've had a lot of great success with studies outside of the U.S., primarily in Sweden with Josephine Wickstrom and her team who have done just tremendous work, just beginning to capture the outcomes for folks that are incarcerated. And that's also something I share with people is that list of of studies that have been conducted on yoga in prison. Um, We are doing a lot of program evaluation this year in partnership with the Stand Together Foundation. And we have this amazing survey where we're asking folks like these two questions that you would typically ask like a customer So we're looking at doing this slightly different than it's been done in philanthropy before but basically would you recommend this program to somebody in a similar situation as you and how transformative is this program in your life and we're really excited to get those answers but that's happening alongside the research being done by josephine among female male and non-binary youth populations as well so it's kind of both <laughs> right right exactly happening at the same time and that's pretty much my main priority this year we do a lot of attendance collection just to also get an idea of the numbers so we've almost had fourteen thousand attendances this year already meaning wow. um like someone has showed up in practice And it's really hard in jail to capture unique participants because they're rotating so frequently. But we've built a new system to measure our prison programs. And so we'll have a lot more outcomes to share at the end of this year, which we're really, really excited about. And just one more thing on that. Um, I think a lot of the research or a lot of people ask, well, does this reduce recidivism? And while we definitely want to re- reduce recidivism or somebody coming back to prison, we also want to know like how fulfilled they feel. And so that's why we're really excited about this survey. Like whether your sentence for life or your sentence for a year, like do you feel confident in your ability to make changes in your life for the better? Do you feel empowered to help other people? Those are the type of questions that we're we're looking like, we're looking at your empathy, your self regulation, your your self efficacy, all of that type. And of And
0: probably, per, I would imagine, purpose. You know, because I would, yes. I'd imagine if you, for anyone who's who's faltering in that domain, that can lead to poor decision makings. Like that, they can lead to um, returning to you know, and and I just imagine all of these things do fall under the umbrella of yoga. So that leads me to my like last question. If you're bringing yoga to to anyone who's incarcerated and they're kind of like, what is yoga about? <laughs> like how, what is the language you all use to describe yoga and um, what it will bring to them or give them?
1: Yeah, and I, I should say we don't have one like script or one specific thing yeah. that folks have to say. We more think of it as, our facilitators understand the catater that they're establishing, one of agency and choice, but we refer to the work we do as post-lineage. So we don't see it as coming from any like one guru or any one like type of, of yoga. And I think that's helpful just in itself of like yeah. um limiting a power dynamic. And we also really encourage folks to show up authentically. So I'll encourage someone to say what yoga means. Them when I walk in the room and I purposely planned um, to talk with you on a day I've been to jail because I'm yeah. like it's fresh in my
0: it's Love fresh it. in my
1: mind yeah literally there this morning and I I started with a new group and before I even talk about yoga we're throwing this rubber ball all saying our name and our speed that's their introduction it's just this it. question of self inquiry and I say the type of yoga we're gonna practice is we're really gonna focus on our nervous system and we're gonna focus on the way we feel. And we're gonna um, practice sitting with some discomfort and just growing our ability to do that without reacting in any way. And that's typically how I describe it um, from the perspective of the nervous system and going right away into, you have so much choice and agency over this next hour to feel how you wanna feel. And so I sort of don't give them everything right Mm -hmm. away, but more of set up like this is why we're doing what we're doing. And then over the 12 weeks that they're practicing, which is how they do it at the jail we're at, I'm giving them bits and pieces as we go. So another thing I talk a lot about is presence and just being present in the way that can literally lengthen the years on your life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think it's your telomeres around your DNA. Exactly. Yes. Um, Look at you. And so (laughs) sometimes we'll talk about like, you know, is it possible to practice yoga while you're mopping the floor and just being mindful of the way that feels and where your mind goes as you do that it, or just finding ways to to be present in everyday life. So that's a big thing we talk about a lot as well. We talk about self-compassion a lot. Mm. Um, and I always end a class with the meta meditation, the loving kindness meditation. It just feels right. Like I don't always do that. I do teach in a studio and it that doesn't always come out of my mouth, but we do that and we hold space for ourselves and then for others we want to send warmth to. So I know that wasn't a direct answer to your question, but I think it's because I don't sort of define it in the beginning as much as set the container for what we're gonna experience. But a lot of it is rooted in explaining our stress response and working with our nervous system.
0: I love it. I love it. And I think that's, you know, that's gonna land a lot more than yeah, if somebody said, how would you explain yoga, that's probably be the hardest thing. I mean, I think it's a journey of of understanding who we are and really being comfortable with who we are. And so yeah. I, for, I would imagine for people who have been unregulated and stressed and incarcerated, et cetera, having all kinds of backgrounds that we can't, you know, even imagine exactly, it's just who they are might be very different than who they've been, you know, been set up to be in a way, you know, because yeah, of their that's environment. That's a really good way of saying you know, it. Who they, yeah, yeah, right. Because <laughs> it's like, I mean, you put anyone in a lot of these environments, and without the same um, opportunities, and I'm sure the outcome wouldn't be that different. It's just some yeah. of it is like uh, you're in survival mode. But um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think I love I love what you said that there's not a lineage. It's just an a real invitation of just. Kind of learning more about yourself and how to to, yeah. to navigate the nervous system. Yeah, like that.
1: we're gonna move our body, try to move our breath with mm-hmm. it. But I don't even, you know, we don't even. I didn't mention this, but we don't control the breath. We don't say inhale, exhale. I might say as you inhale, yes, as you exhale. But if you're in a state of panic. Controlling yep. your breath might not be number I've one. I've never right? liked
0: that anyway, because that could apply <laughs> yeah. to anybody. Like, because you could make somebody not, f- you know, feel pretty panicky if they're if you're trying to tell yeah. them how to breathe and it's not in their own breath cycle. So I think that's why
1: movement is so key, right? These Mm -hmm. big muscle movements is how you get folks into the body. And then maybe you can bleed into that, but you never control in in any way. And um, that's how we talk about it. Yeah.
0: I love that. I am just so impressed with this work. I I can feel that like you were destined to do this and, um, (laughs) Yeah. So where, like last question, I could keep going, but like, what is the, where do you want to go with this? I know it seems like you're going to stay with it and grow it, but any, any big um, goals you have for yourself in it? Gosh, I think just, I just want to,
1: like, I want to see us grow, like you Mm -hmm. said, and I I want to see us where the way um, Bill, my He's like our ED, but he's also like my work wife, right? Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're on Zoom every day talking about everything. The way he describes it is we're not even reaching 1% of the incarcerated population because as I mentioned, mass incarceration is a huge issue. So I envision us being able to reach many, many more people, which involves a lot of internal teamwork of us, like growing our team, of us establishing best practice and continuing to um, operate with even more, um, not, I don't want to say professionalism cause we're professional, but continuing to raise the bar mm-hmm. of, of what we offer and how we describe our impact. Um, but also I think it, it goes bigger. Like we prison yoga project reaches folks that maybe don't want to go in and teach yoga in prison. Like you don't have to do that to be a part of the prison yoga project community. And so I'm, so deeply tied to this work because I believe it's truly anti-racist. Like I also, you know, if we look at who is incarcerated and the um, disproportionate rate that people of color are incarcerated, that people with mental illness, the list, you know, goes on of all the ways we marginalize people in society. So I see our foundational training as like, I want everyone to want to take this training. Like if you want to go out and create change and you want to understand how to create change, take this training so i dream of us not just impacting prisons and jails but our larger communities our family and friends and so i never hear a comment again that's like my tax dollars are paying for what so we can all just like truly understand that healing centered work is going to provide us with the communities that we want to be a part of so i see this stretching to the mainstream right to folks that maybe don't practice yoga or don't really know much about prison and jail to to feel like this is something valuable to learn about and understand. And me personally, I just want to keep doing the work.
0: <laughs> well, you <laughs> are such a impassioned and passionate leader that I think many should follow. So where can people um, sign up to do this training and tell them where to yeah. find you? So
1: we, so you, What's so cool is if you type prison yoga, we're the first one that comes up.
0: <laughs> just Google it, <laughs> yeah. We are,
1: yeah, so literally you can just Google, but prison yoga project. We have both a public facing website, prisonyoga.org, as well as a community website, community.prisonyoga.org. And folks can make an account. It can it can be a free account where you can access uh, biweekly webinars. Our facilitators can access facilitator meetups, and this is also where you'd sign up for our foundational training. And from that foundational training, we can point folks to facilitator applications and all that good stuff. So I recommend our community website, community.prisonyoga.org. We can be found on Instagram as well same thing at prison yoga project and i believe we've provided a code to your listeners oh my gosh the code is slipping from my brain it'll, be in, it. yeah, in okay. it'll notes, be in the show um, notes for yeah that's okay 10 off the foundational training but i also want to be really clear that we want everybody to have access and so we have a scholarship application so if it doesn't feel financially feasible we will make it financially feasible for um someone to be a part of this work. And if you want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn, Nicole hall Taylor on LinkedIn. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that. Oh, Nicole, thank you so much for taking the time. I um, thank you. This I'm just so, in, yeah, I'm so inspired by you and I'm so inspired by um, the work uh, that you're doing and just everything. So prison yoga project, I'm just giving you the biggest high five, well, double high you. five. All and I right have around. to
1: say a lot of what you've um, shared and what you've taught my friend April, who I take her practice some time, has given me so much relief in my shoulders. I have oh. a lot of pain and struggle in my shoulders and it allows me to keep myself healthy and and mobile and clear headed to be able to then go do this work so i really appreciate everything that you do as well
0: (laughs) well thank you so much we're all in it together and it's really again just to kind of raise the bar for all of us um, to facilitate you know joy and peace for ourselves but for others who are not as fortunate to just naturally get it so yeah thank you for doing your work and thank you so much for being here
1: thanks for having me
0: (laughs) And as always, to all of you, I'm pulling for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.